Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Good. How's the temperature? Are we warm, cold, or chilly? <laughs> Maybe we could have Usher go check temp back there, please. Boy, it's been a challenge here trying to, with this uh, area here, try to get that to work. Um, thank you. I want to thank everyone that prayed and fasted this past week. We had three days of prayer and fasting, and, and um, we just uh, challenged last Sunday. We talked about prayer and fasting and just challenged uh, the church body and extended church family that whatever the Lord would place in your heart to consecrate to him to do, and uh, that they would do it. And that's between you and the Lord. And whether it is taking out social media, fasting a meal or two, or whatever, just a juice fast or total fast or whatever it was. And so we met nightly here, and, and uh, church members came out, and family and friends, and Monday and Tuesday, and then Wednesday we gathered, and we had people sharing testimony, and I love that we had uh, the children come up, read Bible verses, and it was just really a powerful time. And then the highlight, I shouldn't say the highlight, but a positive thing was the soup. <laughs> it was some deli- wasn't that a delicious soup? Can we give a hand to all of you who made some of the best soup? I'm telling you, Minnesotans, say eh? that was some good soup, especially uh, yeah, especially after three days prayer and fasting. So, thank you for that, and um, uh, all those that participated in that. Uh, let me just take a moment here and pray, and before we jump into what we want to feel the Lord wants us to share, Father, we thank you for this morning. I do thank you for your presence. I sense your presence here today. And Lord, that we would have expectant hearts, <clears throat> that we would raise the bar, that we wouldn't settle for mediocre faith and Christianity. And uh, those terms don't even align. That's not even in your vocabulary. Lord, we thank you that you are elevating. You are raising us up to greater things. And Lord, we rise to the occasion as your people. We thank you for a spirit of faith here today, encouraging us, to go on. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, <clears throat> amen. Well, I'm just going to kind of jump right into it. Uh, my text today is going to be John 14, 12 to 18, actually. And this is actually the word the Lord gave me, I felt, for the church body, <clears throat> for, for everyone here at, at Harvest. And I really believe that. And typically, towards, towards the fall, end of the year, November, December, I it stirred up with, Lord, what do you want to do the next year with the church? How many know we need to have a, a vision and a goal? Amen? We should have expectant hearts. Expectant hearts. And if you do the same thing over and over again, expect different results, how many know that's the definition of insanity? <laughs> so we have expectant hearts. And you say, well, what if you don't attain it? Hey, listen, even if we get halfway there, we made it further than we were. Amen? So... Greater things, uh, that's the word, and how that came about just shortly, we were in Texas, and it was actually uh, one of the church services down there, it was actually January 7th, Angie was sharing here, <clears throat> and uh, she was talking and actually convicting us while we were driving back from Texas in a snowstorm to come back to Minnesota, and she was really excited and had an anointed word, and she mentioned in her message about the word elevate, and I thought that really, that really spoke to me. And, uh, but on that Sunday, the 7th, before I listened to her message, uh, I was in a church service there, and uh, they had the photographer, and some of you heard me share this on Wednesday, but bear with me, 
and the photographer was just taking pictures, you know, they, they, the camera crew, and, and I was just really crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, what? What, is, what do you want to do? What, you know, we come through, you know, COVID. We come through a number of hurdles, and the building was built and was a miracle testimony to you. And I'm like, Lord, what do you have next now? And, and a guy walks up right in front of me, literally, probably about four feet away, and he's taking some photos under the back of his shirt, said, greater things. And in that moment, I really, I really felt the Lord said, that's what I want to do in Harvest. And to all of the families, did you hear that? I want to do greater things in and through your life and in this church. And so, and, and actually I felt he said, he said, tell the Harvest family I have greater things for them all this year because of your faithfulness and that he is coming with his reward for your life. Amen. And I think of that word elevate that Angie mentioned. It means to move something to a higher plane or position, to promote to a higher rank, to lift up. And I really believe that's, that's, this is like the beginning of that elevation, the greater things God desires to do in and through our life and our church. You know, some of you may have <clears throat> kids in this church that have children, so you're a grandparent. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> You have no idea how the Holy Spirit can apprehend that grandchild and change their life forever for being a part of a local church that is expecting greater things. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> Some of you really didn't believe that. It was kind of low-level response on that. <clears throat> but I want us to have this on the forefront of our minds. You're saying, you, Pastor Mike, are you going to you know, you just hunker down, try to make something happen? No, no, no. This is what I would like in our, the forefront of our minds. And, and I read about St. John of the Cross. He was a 16th century Spanish poet and theologian. And he said this, and then when I read it, I said, mm, this is true. He said, in the evening of life, we shall be judged by love alone. And I just kept reading that. <clears throat> in other words, the judgment or the test or the litmus test on our life will be based on the love of God in and through our life and showing agape love to others. How many hear me say amen? <clears throat> that, that's all that will remain, <clears throat> that particle of the love of God <clears throat> that we have shown to others. So it doesn't matter how great things you feel you may have done or not have done, have you loved God and loves people as Christ calls us to. That's the final test. That's the litmus test. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, talking uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats, and he says the sheep on the right, <clears throat> truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, some of you just got that, some of the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then on the left, he says, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And so really, when we talk about, you know, the ultimate, you know, litmus test in our life is not by all the accomplishments, but how we allowed the Holy Spirit of God to love through us to love one another. I don't know about you, and many times I fall flat on my face in that, right? But we get back up. We get back up. And so greater things, I really believe, is tied in to, you know, especially this verse and about loving the least of these, those that when you do something and no one else sees it and, and you act in a certain way and you love, you have patience in a situation where, you know, I don't feel I really have time for this, but you still, you operate in love. Those are greater rewards. Can somebody say amen? <clears throat> so uh, just practically speaking, I'm going to put you on the fast track here. 
John 14, 12 through 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. So Jesus is speaking. Somebody shout Jesus. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Do you have faith in Jesus? He says, you will do what I have been doing. What? He said, you will do even, it would be enough just to say that, but to add this on there really blows my mind. And you will do even greater things. Somebody show greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I think about what is this, these things that he's talking about doing, the works, the deeds. We know it entails. There's acts of faith in that. Yes, there's the miracles of Jesus we saw that he did, and, and he did the will of his Father. And so when we talk about doing greater things, it encompasses all of that. But I looked up the word in the Greek, greater things. It actually is the word mega. It's mega. You're going to do mega things. So we could title this mega things that God wants to do. Ah, it sounds really wild, Pastor Mike. Boy, you're really shooting high. Mega things actually means large in a wide sense, in, in a long sense. And he says, he will do even. He, in other words, he will do. Someone show he. That's who's going to do it through us. Okay? That's what it means. It means he will make to do, to accomplish, to cause, and that's what brings me to the Holy Spirit that I want to get to in a moment. But let me just develop this a little bit more. I like how the Amplified says in John 14, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do, and he will even do even greater things than these in extent also to outreach, because I am going to the Father. Jesus said that. So now let me just share from an observant standpoint, just naturally. How do we do more than Jesus? <laughs> That's impossible. Do more than him? No. I'd be the first one to step say, no, no. But it's, this is the thing. Jesus said this. So he must want this. Isn't that right? Are you still with me? Well, here's the thing. Just practically speaking, Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles, 100, between 100 and 200 miles from where he was born. Jesus only healed a couple of dozen people that's recorded. Granite, miraculous healings. I'd take one. You know, <laughs> like, like just, just these miraculous healings. And uh, <clears throat> the, there's recorded 27 individual healings by Jesus described in the four Gospels and 23 individual who's dealing with people. Now, we know the Scripture says there were so many other things that he's done that there's not enough, you know, to write. But, but what's recorded, what we can read, it's these testimonies. That was it. The total number of people, watch this, who claimed to be his disciples 40 days after his death on the cross was 120. So that, watch this, that's three and a half years, every day, get up, wake up, meet with the disciples, travel with them. Every single day, three and a half years, and when he says, he commanded them, he said, be in Jerusalem, after my crucifixion, commanded them to gather, and he spoke it to all of them. You know how many showed up? 120 showed up. <laughs> that would be a little bit frustrating, wouldn't it? After all that ministry. So no disrespect. In one sense, that doesn't really sound like he accomplished very much. Don't pick up stones. Now, we know he defeated Satan. Amen? And it's hard to beat the crucifixion. Amen? So, but his work of atonement, we cannot and need not do. Jesus did that, and we know he defeated Satan. But once again, I go back to that statement. Jesus, not Paul, not Peter, not John, spoke this. 
Jesus spoke this, that you will do, if you believe on me, you will do even greater things. You know what I find is a lot of Christians, once they get saved, they don't want to go to hell, and they're scared of that, people, and that's okay, that's okay. Uh, They are born again, but they just kind of just settle in, that's it. And they feel like they come to church, and all that's required of them is they did their due diligence, they're born again, and good people, but we just come to church, look at the back of someone's head for the next 30 years, die, and we go to heaven. That's, that, that God has greater things for you. Amen? Than just the look on the back of someone's head for 30 years. Amen. Moving right along. Dr. James Allen, he wrote this. He wrote this about, he says, Jesus was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village. We worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles, 200 miles from the place where he was born. And then usually associated with greatness, Jesus had no credentials. There was no PhD in front of his name. There was no doctorate degree. Come on, somebody. There was no master's degree. He was only 33 when he died. His friends ran away. One of them even denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while dying, his execution is gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. Then when Jesus was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Friends, now we have 2,000 years later have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. He is a leader of mankind's progress. Of all the armies that ever marched, of all the fleets that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life, the life of Jesus. Can somebody say amen? The Son of God, yes, he was His life, his life did not end there. The death, the burial, the resurrection. Yes, he was God manifest in the flesh, but Jesus, watch this, began a work that we are supposed to bring to completion. He began it in his earthly body, and he will continue it through his spiritual body. That's you and I. That's you and I. And that mandate still is for us today. Philippians 1, 6, I'm sure of this, I am confident. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind, the Apostle Paul says, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. God will complete a good work in the lives of believers until the day of Jesus Christ. I believe that personally, but there's also a global missions component to that. How Is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Because we have human grit and will. We hear the message and we say, Pastor Mike, yeah, I'm going to hunker down and I'm going to really try harder now and be a more more devoted person. Well, all those uh, desires are good, but here's the thing. The only way we can accomplish these greater things is through the Holy Spirit in our life. And I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. See how far we get here this morning. The Christian life is a supernatural life. Let me say it this way. The Christian life should be a supernatural life. It is a life of Christ lived out in every believer by means of the indwelling Holy Spirit. 
And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, there are those where when we're born again, we receive the Spirit within where we cry, Abba, Father. But as a full gospel church, we preach and we teach that there is a subsequent experience. There is a, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit immersion. Uh, we receive a filling, and there's a heavenly language that comes with that. We say, well, I don't really want that. I don't want anything to do with that. And I usually use the illustration as I served in the Marine Corps. Anytime it came from promotion in the Marines, whether it was a private, you know, Lance Corporal, Corporal, uh, whatever it is, you continue on in rank. At certain times, especially when you become an NCO, you are issued certain weapons. So instead of just your M4 or my old AR-15, when I became an NCO, they said, hey, you can, you're entitled now to go to the armory, you can carry a sidearm. Some guys are like, I'm not carrying that, it's too much extra weight. I did not do that. Because you never know when you need that. Come on, somebody. So everything that was issued, I took. And even though I was loaded up, but I was fit for battle. Come on, somebody. And so that's how, you know, maybe just a primitive way of looking at it. But as I look at it, that the Holy Spirit is there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Don't push that off. Open your heart. Hear what the Spirit of God is saying. How he wants to immerse you and fill you to overflowing. How many with me say amen? So do I have to? No, you get to. You get to if you want to. And so, and let me just say this. There, there, this goofy teaching, I especially grew up, I've heard this too. It's goofy teaching that it's like, well, if you don't pray in tongues, you're not a Christian, you're not going to heaven. That's a lie. I'm gonna say that again, that's a lie. Because you have the spirit, you bear witness, you're a believer, all right? And you're not less of a Christian, okay? Please understand that. I wanna make that clear. Uh, but take, receive everything God has for you. Why not? Why not? All right, he's offering that there. He's offering that. And I want to encourage, too, uh, those of you who have been filled, you know exactly what I'm talking about, to stir that gift back up this year. Come on, because the Hebrew says, the things that we've heard, we can let them slip. Right? We let these things slip. So he's like, yeah, I was filled 30 years ago. I, oh, it was a marvelous and filling, and oh, I have my heavenly language. When was the last time you prayed in it? Preach, Pastor Mike. I believe I will. Amen. So I want to just to stir that up not in a life-giving way. How many hear what I'm saying? Stir that up. <clears throat> Take some time. Pray. Pray in the Spirit. Some of you have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, but hang on. The Holy Spirit is going to reveal himself to you. So I want to say this. The Holy Spirit, especially for when you are born again, Holy Spirit is not optional in our life. It is something that it is vital. And having the Holy Spirit's presence is, let me just say it like this. It's not like getting heated seats, LED GPS in a car, having uh, power windows, maybe air conditioning, to make, it, to make your life more comfortable. That, that's really, in a sense, not what the Holy Spirit, this component of that, but, but, but it's really not. Instead, we need to understand, all of us need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the engine that makes the car go. Are you hearing me? So I'm going to digress here. Uh, <clears throat> My, when I think about the Holy Spirit as the engine, um, I've always had a desire growing up. Uh, grew up in a large Italian family. My grandfather came from Italy, 15 years old, uh, spent a summer with his dad. His dad died, and he moved on with his life, went to upstate New York, Pine Plains area, and uh, he was a stonecutter, a mason, bricklayer, very, very uh, highly, highly skilled in that. Helped build the Taconic Stake Parkway, all of the cutted, you know, field stone. Uh, he was very, very good in it. So he has all these uh, sons, 
seven sons and one daughter. And uh, so what does he do? He builds a gas station in the middle of nowhere. It's the first gas station in Pine Plains, Esso, back then. Some remember that back in the 50s. And he physically builds. He buys a house, and they, they, they buy the block, and they built the gas station and signed on. And, and uh, they ran that for years. And so all my uncles would, you know, the days when you pull up, and, and then they lift the hood. Come, come on, you know, check the oil, the check the tires. But they're running, you know, they're doing all that. Nowadays, you're pulling like, what is going to just stick your card in? You don't want to see anybody. Come on. <laughs> if someone came to pop your hood, you would call the cops. Someone's stealing my battery, you know. <laughs> What's going on? It's a different world we live in today. How many with me say amen? So, so, but so I, I always like, you know, they got, they had that gas station, and they just kind of learned on the fly there was auto restoration I had an uncle do. He was a drag racer. I had some of my cousins, they raced cars. And, and I was always intrigued by it. And some of my other brothers are also into it too. And some just are not. But it's just different passions. And so I like to tinker. I'll use the word. Tinker on stuff. Um, and learn. Uh, I've uh, many a sermons years ago about this Hyundai car that I rebuilt. Now, please just bear with me. Don't tighten up said you've had enough of it. I know my wife had, had enough of it, but the, actually the car's gone. We gave it. I gave it to my uncle. So I drove the car down to, uh, to Texas to give my, my brother-in-law, excuse me, and um, he had it for his son. And uh, so I rebuilt this engine. I actually rebuilt it two times, the Hyundai 2.0 engine. And, and when I'm, we're talking about the Holy Spirit as the engine in our life. Now watch this. And so I was thinking about this. So I had an engine code. Ladies, please bear with me. But some ladies like to wrench. I don't know. There's a few of them up there. But please, just, just bear me, with me, some, some of the men, too, that in, enjoy this. Um, but this code, check engine light, CEL code, kept coming on, and I could not get rid of it. This was after the second time rebuilding it. It's a P0016 and crankshaft, camshaft, correlation. I checked all the sensors. And, and then when I would do it and reset it, the code, I would have a time period. Now watch this, where I drive the car, and it wouldn't cut on, but I'm panicking. Some of you got a CEL, CEL light on right now in your car, and you just put a piece of tape over it. <laughs> I couldn't do that. I'm like, oh, this thing. And sometimes I'd go four days a week, and then we'd come on, oh, and it would, like, drive me nuts. Like, I thought I fixed it. I changed that sensor. I changed that sensor. I cleaned out the oil control valve, and I, I was just, I hated that light. Come on, can I speak to anybody? Is anybody hearing me today? Some of you pull up your car. We got a code checker here, and we can check how much's going on in your car. But I hated it. But then I began to think about it, and the Holy Spirit said, He said, just like the CEL, that check engine light for natural engines, the Holy Spirit is continually bringing to light our spiritual check engine light in the issues in our life. So when that light comes on, don't put a piece of tape over it. Got to deal with that. It means there's something wrong in the engine. Hmm. This car's still bringing revelation. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> My wife's like, oh, push that thing in the dump. It's gone. It's gone. John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit, watch this. He said, he shall, he shall teach you all things. Talking spiritually here and naturally. But bring to things to remembrance. In other words, he's going to remind you of all that what Jesus said to you. Now, here's the thing. How is the Holy Spirit going to remind you of all what Jesus said if you are not reading what Jesus says? Amen. How? Hebrews 6, 4. 
He talks about those being enlightened. They are brought to light. The Holy Spirit is the enlightener. He's the light on the dash that awakens us. Ephesians 1.8, that the eyes of your heart, the eyes of your heart, there's songs about that, they would be enlightened. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. So the Holy Spirit, he enlightens. Holy Spirit is the power of our Christian experience. He's just not the representation of good qualities. The Holy Spirit, and some say, you don't use the. Well, it's in the Bible, the Holy Spirit, numerous times. But they just say, say Holy Spirit. Okay, Holy Spirit. The point is, he's a person. Amen? Holy Spirit is a person, just like Jesus is a person. Now, here's another, another with this, this, this trip. Um, <clears throat> going back, another hopefully spiritual illustration. I'm going to drive home this point. Um, when the Holy Spirit gets what is needed, or if I could share it this way, when we allow the Holy Spirit to have flow in our life in areas that maybe we don't want him to go into, and he knows that's going to change our life, that when we allow him to do that, our life improves. And this came to me, this illustration once again. So <clears throat> fast track again. When you rebuild an engine, piston rings, everything, block, um, <clears throat> when you put new rings in, the rings have to set, okay? Just bear me with me, ladies. And so after a while, the rings just set with the engine. And at a time, you will consume oil probably more so than what you thought. And so I took this trip, and I put in a full synthetic oil, okay? Uh, it's, a, it's more expensive. It's good oil. Full synthetic's really good. But on a motor that you want to set the rings, it's not preferable to do that. The rings were still set. And so while we're driving down there, I'm getting bothered. No check engine lights. So I was like, hallelujah. I had worship. I had hallelujah songs on. I was videoing. It was raining. There's nothing. But I was burning oil. And so I was bothered. I was really bothered. It's like, okay. Um, Ron is like, everything all right? I was like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> because <laughs> he was like, if it bikes down in Kansas City, push it in the road, you know. <laughs> but I got 26 miles per gallon. It's pretty good for that motor. But it burned every time I fill up a quart and a half, almost two quarts. I'm like, what is going on? Putting in full synthetic, full synthetic. And after around south of Oklahoma City, about 1,000 miles from here, the gas mileage went through the Phillips from 26 to 28 to 31. And then the last one, about 1,000 miles in, it went to 33 miles per gallon. And then I checked the oil, and it wasn't as low. And I think at that point, now watch this, that the rings finally set 70, 75 miles an hour, stopping and going. It set the rings and improved. And so I thought about that. I said, okay, what is that? <clears throat> what is that? When the Holy Spirit, when we allow, watch this, the Holy Spirit to make the changes in our life, our life will improve. See, I had the, I, I didn't have the, bad oil in. It was good oil, but I just had the wrong one for that time. How many hear what I'm saying? I know it's a lot of mechanical stuff, but please, ladies, bear with me. My point is this, that, that when we allow at certain times and seasons of our life the Holy Spirit to do certain things, our life will improve. Then we may be able to get to use other things or do other things. Hope that wasn't too confusing. <laughs> the indwelling Holy Spirit is how we can do greater things. When we rely upon him, I'm almost done. John 14, 16, 18. Jesus says, I will ask the Father. He will give you another counselor. Somebody shout counselor. 
He will be with you forever. And he is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth, not a lie. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Neither sees him or knows him. But you know him. And he says this, for he lives with you. Somebody shall with you. Then he makes a distinction. Watch this. He lives with you, and then he will be in you. So at the moment Jesus is speaking this, it's before the crucifixion, he lives with you. He said, but someday it's coming, Pentecost, he's going to live within you. When I breathe on you, you are born again. And so there's a distinction there that I think it's important. Important. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, very quickly, the Greek word for counselor, uh, the spirit of truth, is paraclete. We get that word in the Greek. It means one called alongside. One called alongside for protection or counsel. Uh, it actually, uh, uh, some translations say it conveys the idea of an encourager in the sense of actually legal counsel. How many know that we have like a, an attorney in the spirit on our side to help us if we listen, if we listen. And here's the thing, what I mean by listening, he may just tell you, I want you to go talk to a certain person. And that person, the spirit of God, has wisdom to help you in that season. Amen? So he can direct you. And he will direct you if you listen. And so that word, it's actually a combination of two words, meaning close besides and to make a call. Pericles. Close beside and to make a call. Properly, it's a legal advocate. One's who, one who makes the right judgment call because he is close enough to the situation. Holy Spirit knows exactly your situation. He has the answer for your situation. Are you listening to me this morning? He's close enough to you to know. He is within you to know the situation. He is the advocate. He is the advisor, the helper. Uh, regular term in the New Testament times of where we get the word like an attorney or a lawyer, someone giving ed evidence that stands up in court on your behalf. That's Holy Spirit. That is the role in our life. And I thought about it, if there's an illustration here, and maybe they can pull up a slide here that I have on Jackie Robinson. Uh, the story in the Leadership Magazine illustrates this phrase about paraclete, paraclete. And uh, they actually, in 2013, they came out a movie. Uh, Jackie Robinson uh, was the first black baseball player to play Major League Baseball in the Brooklyn Dodgers. Chadwick Boseman, who passed away, sadly, was the actor who played it. Harrison Ford is in there. Branch Rickey is the, uh, the general manager. And um, he, the, he, he was the first out of 400 players. He was 399 that next year. They came in, I think, I believe it was 1947, the 400th one was Jackie Robinson, first African-American. And the ridicule was horrific. It was demonic. What they would shout from the stadium, certain people. The racism, I, just, I cringed. It's an amazing movie, movie. I cringed just like how they treated this man. Uh, but he broke that color barrier and jeering crowds in every stadium. But while playing one day in his home stadium in Brooklyn, he, he made a mistake. He committed an, an error. I don't know what it was. And the fans began to ridicule him. And he stood at second base, and he was just, he was just, he was just humiliated. The fans were jeering. Then shortstop Pee Wee Reese came over and stood next to him. He put his arm around Jackie Robinson and faced the crowds. And history says that the fans grew quiet. 
And Robinson later said that that arm around his shoulder saved his career. And, you know, when I think about that, it's like that's the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. Stand with me if you would, please. The Holy Spirit in our lives. I'll talk, Lord willing, more about the Holy Spirit in his fullness weeks to come here. But how do we do greater things? John 14 says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, Anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do these things that I do. And he or she will do even greater things than these in extent, ministry, outreach in my life. Why? Because I am going to the Father. Every head bowed, please, here this morning, if you would. The Bible talks about, and we'll elaborate more next week, that when we are saved, we receive the Spirit within. It's the seal of the Spirit, Romans talks about. And you're born again. And that is where you have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, temperance, self-control, all of those that you have the ability to walk in. Then there is the Holy Spirit that comes upon and immerses you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as a, as a young man at 15 years old, I was, I was filled miraculously in a living room on 532 East Street. And I began to weep for 45 minutes, but it wasn't tears of sorrow. They were of joy, and I felt like it was just buckets of God's love being poured on my soul, and, and I prayed in a, in a heavenly language. 15 years old. I didn't have theology that told me, that's not for today. I just received. I just received at 15 years old. Friends, you can be taught about God in theology, and that's good. And there are a slew of parents that I meet them all the time, good people, and they want their kids in to learn about the Bible stories, to learn about David and Goliath, to learn about Noah, to learn about the ark, to learn about the stories because that somehow is going to transform their life. That's good. That's the Word of God. But friends, our kids need to experience God. Adults need to experience God in His presence. And at 15 years old, I experienced God in a facet that I can I can only just talk about that moment and how it has transformed my life. And I've had additional subsequent experiences through the years. Not because I'm anything special. Just Mr. Nobody. But God wants to do that in and through your life. Being a Christian is not just going through some religious duty. Trudging through just reading some words that there's no life. Trying to be a good person. Being a believer is a life of power and of the Spirit. That's what God has for you. And you're here this morning. You say, if you know what, I have not, number one, I don't have that indwelling spirit. I'm not saved. I'm not born again. So how do you know? It's a very simple question with every head bowed. Do you have the absolute assurance this morning, God forbid, if you died, that you'd go to heaven? Not uh, 80-20, no. 100% assurance. I want that to sink in. Uh, I hope so. Yeah, I do too. But the Bible says these things are written that you may know you have eternal life. God wants you to know. How do you know? His spirit within bears witness. And he lets you know. Even though what struggles, trials, difficult, he lets you know that you're born again. He places his spirit within you and you cry, yes, Lord, Abba, Father, you are my God. You are my Savior. You have saved me. And he's touched your life. And there's these other blessings 
of the Spirit upon you. So the question, are you relying on the Holy Spirit of your life? Are you relying on Him? Say, Pastor, I, I need that first step. I need to get right with God. I don't have that absolute assurance. I want to pray, lead us all in a prayer. And your response to this is vital. Your vocal response is vital. You have a free will. God has given you a free will, every single one of us. No decision is a decision. Indifference is a decision. Praying, confessing, and receiving of your will is a decision you make. The Holy Spirit will help you in this moment. I believe He will. You say, Pastor, I want the insurance. If that's you, I'd just like you just to just lift your hands if you would right where you're at. And as we all pray right now to receive Jesus Christ. And those of you who are believers, just pray with me as we stand in faith for those that are making this commitment right now. Say to me, say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Thank you for saving me. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.